Welcome to Investing, Earning, Living podcast. Your hosts, Marika and Marek, who went from nothing to multimillionaires in their early 30s, will show you how you can invest more, earn more, and live more. How you can go from zero to a multimillionaire through strategizing, diversifying, and increasing your earning potential. Invest more, earn more, live more. Welcome to Investing Earning Living podcast. And uh, on today's show, we have the one and only Mark Lloyd. Hello, Mark. Hi, Marek. How you've been doing? Yeah, good. Good. It's good. Good to uh, good to have some decent weather today for Jay. <laughs> yeah, finally, finally. Um, and for all the listeners who don't know nothing about Mark, Mark is a very a serious professional entrepreneur, very successful. You have a number of successful businesses. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where where did you start? Where was you born? And, and how did you start the businesses yourself? Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, I was born in Kent. Um, that's where I was brought up uh, originally. Actually, I was born in the Chatham Military Hospital because my father was doing his military service at the time. So it's a long time ago. I'm I'm 61 now, so it's, as you can tell, it's that's quite a long time ago. Um, and then I'm, we moved to Gravesend, which is where I was uh, brought up. Left there at 19. Um, quite a quite a tough childhood. It was quite a poor area where we were um, in the council estate, and um, yeah, kind of a, a bit of a broken home. So uh, I had three step brothers and an older sister. Um, and I just left home as soon as I could. I just couldn't, um, just couldn't get on there. I, I didn't get on with my mother, and, and uh, it was getting difficult because I was earning more than my dad by the time I left at nineteen. So I, uh, I moved to London, um, got a job in banking, um, did that quite successfully. I moved around the country, so I moved from London to, um, to Liverpool, to uh, Ashford in Middlesex, to Farnham in Surrey. Which is when I eventually left at the age of twenty. I think it was twenty six or twenty seven. I was a bank manager at that point, um, and I decided to go into uh, into sales. Uh, it was just something I didn't know anything about. I'd never done sales before. Um, I'd gone for a few interviews because I'd, I'd always wanted to earn more. I mean, as a child, you know, when I was fifteen, I had four jobs, <laughs> so I've always been quite a good hard worker and. When I was in the bank, whilst the salary was okay, when I looked at what what some of my friends were earning, I think, why is that? And and it kind of narrowed down to either they were quite heavily involved in financial services like brokering, and I mean like stockbroking, not not yeah. stockbroking, um, or sales. So I thought, oh, let's have a look at sales. Can't be that hard. So I um, went along for an interview with a, a company that was called Allied Dunbar at the time. They're now known better as St James's Place. Which is a financial services uh, company, pensions, life insurance, and investment products, and the kind of the test, the, the psychometric testing that they did, which I'd never seen before, uh, and it's something that we actually use today, actually, strangely enough, in, in our mentoring program. But um, kind of showed that I had a quite a strong desire to achieve, and 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 they they said they they reckoned I could do it, and so I took the plunge, left left my the security of my job, and became self-employed at the age of 28 with um, my wife, who was uh, then pregnant as well. Mm. So timing wasn't exactly the best <laughs> best thing to do. Um, but my first year as a sales associate, 
I became, I was, I was a top sales associate for that year uh, in my very first year. And then I started to look wider at, at different things. Um, um, and I, I tried and did a number of sales opportunities from selling uh, double glazing, uh, kitchens, bathrooms, um, conservatories, uh, solar, solar panels, roof panels. Yeah. Kind of things. I set up a sales force with um, the Southeastern Electricity Board, where we we increased their turnover about four hundred percent in one year. So that yeah. they, they loved loved us to bits. Uh, and then the economy changed, and, and um, interest rates went through the roof. Mm. Um, you know, there, there was no, no, nobody. I think most of your listeners won't remember ever interest rates going to fifteen, sixteen percent. Yeah, uh, it just seems unheard of. And and I was struggling to make ends meet. And in the end, I, I kind of gave up. I, I stopped because I was trying to pay for the family, trying to pay for the mortgage, all that, all that stuff. We had a nice you know, detached property, but it was just too much. And I gave up and I got heavily into debt and um, almost went bankrupt. Mm. So I had a, a tough two or three years. And then I came across... Um, my plumber was in the house one day, just just servicing the the, the, the boiler. Um, we were just having a chit chat, chit chat over coffee, and uh, he was a bit fed up with what he was doing. I, I told him what I was doing. I said I was getting a bit fed up as well because I was living in Surrey but working in Kent. Every mm. single day. So it was a long journey. Uh, I was doing uh, two thousand miles a week in my car, just travelling to and from Kent. So um, he he had an idea for setting up a, uh, a central heating company just. Primarily selling service contracts in, in the residential market. Now, at the time, the main company doing that was British Gas, and it was, but the timing was impeccable. And that, that was this was this was a key because it was the first point that landlords had to get gas safety certificates, and that's how we started the company, and that grew to over a million pounds. Um, we brought in a couple of other partners uh, as well. So a guy, another guy called Mark, who was really at the marketing. So I, I was sales. Um, Andre was the technical engineer, if you like. Mm-hmm. Mark, the other Mark was um, marketing, and Jackie, who was his partner, came in and uh, she was the did the like the kind of the office stuff and and so on. Um, and w- between us, we set up. Uh, I think it was about four companies. Um, one was an IT company. One was a telephone number company, and. Uh, utilities company oh and so another one a telecommunications company so far five in total unfortunately in the process of that we kind of well partly split up and, and one one unfortunate circumstance so on andre said one day he's had enough he, he wants to leave and we kind of joked around at the time but he, he actually said he wanted to become an airline pilot from a guy that left school with no qualifications whatsoever mm. he is he's now an airline pilot earning a very good salary so that left myself Jackie and Mark. Unfortunately, Mark died of cancer mm. uh, a few years later, and that left myself and Jackie. And so Jackie and I have been business partners now for 28 years. Um, and the last company we had prior to um, going into property full time was our telecommunications company, mm. over over a million pounds, um, and we sold that in 2009. Um, just it, it was timing in the market. You know the market generally was crashing but for our industry telecommunications technology was actually hot, increasing so values were increasing and we'd, we'd already started investing in property in 2005 bought, bought our very first 
uh, buy to let and we bought a, an overseas property in Bulgaria. Both both were big mistakes, by the way. Just didn't know what we were doing. Um, the one in Bulgaria, we were lucky not to lose money, but we paid cash for it. It was a penthouse apartment um, overlooking the Black Sea. Lovely mm. place. It really did look amazing, but never rented out. It was just essentially we, we, we eventually found out that most of the resorts were in, um, Russian drug money. They were just put into buildings. Right. Uh, and the buy-to-let we bought was just off an email. It, it, it seemed like a good idea. So we had some money. We thought, let's, let's get this buy-to-let. So we didn't really know what we were doing. And when the opportunity came on to sell the company, um, we quite often believe in karma and things things happen for, for a reason, things happen at the same time. And what happened, We we I received a letter through from the Rich Dad organization inviting us to a property seminar. Mm. Exactly. Why don't, why don't we just go along and, and see what, you know, what's what? And, and and literally ten minutes into the seminar, I said, "We've got we got to do this." I, I was just ready for it, and so so was Jackie. We got up, walked to the back of the room, and just said, "Right, where, where do we book?" Um, and they hadn't even done their pitch yet. We knew there was going to be a pitch at some point, but we thought, "No, we don't, we don't need to see anymore. We're in." So we we went along on a three day um, introductory course, which was a massive pitch, <laughs> by the way, but. I mean, we we spent something like forty odd thousand pounds signing up for their courses and mentorship programs, and a lot of people said, "Well, that's an awful lot of money." And I, you know, the way I look at it is an investment, not a cost. Yeah. So, as an investment, it was fantastic. As a cost, yeah, all right, a bit heavy. Yeah, we got that forty odd thousand pounds back on our very first deal. So, was that a good investment? You're too right, it was. <laughs> that's a very good investment. So, um, from that perspective, um, it was very good. We were then. Um, Asked to join the Rich Dad organization as mentors. So we became mentors with Rich Dad organization. Did that for about probably a year, 18 months. Uh, and then it kind of sat uncomfortable with us because uh, their their tactics were high pressure sales. Um, and they still do that today, just from what I've seen. And then something I, I just didn't sit well with me. So we had a bit of a falling out and we left and decided we we're just going to build our portfolio and concentrate on that. I wish we did. I mean, we started building the portfolio, but what also happened was we started to get people following us from the Rich Dad organization that we'd previously helped because we'd been mentors there. We'd built up mm. a bit of And we were one of the few people that were um, um, offering advice, you know, helping people out uh, and helping them on their journey, advising and strategies. But the trouble is, the more we helped, the more people inquired and, and we're getting so busy just answering people's questions, not getting paid for it. So I just said to Jackie, why don't we set up a, a one-day event where we invite everyone along, but we'll limit it to the first 35 people. Because when, when we were doing our training, there was 200 people in the room. Yeah. Uh, I thought, I just didn't like that. So we set up a one-day event and just said, look, this is gonna, we're just going to call it a mastermind day. You come along with your questions and we'll answer them. If we don't know the answer, hopefully somebody in the audience will know, but if not, we'll go away and we'll get the answer. And we charged like a nominal amount to cover the cost of the venue and, and lunch and, and kind of stuff. Anyway, at the end of the, the event, went really, really well. And uh, people said, well, when, when's the next one? And we hadn't planned another one. Um, so I said, well, I uh, don't know. <laughs> you know. Over the next year, we ran one every single month. Wow. Uh, and, and then I kind of thought, well, look, we need to do something else with this because it's, it's great and the events were great. But... It was taking a lot of our time, and we, we were just covering costs. That was, that was it. That we weren't making any money at it. And I thought, okay, well, I, 
when I went on the holiday that year uh, over to Spain somewhere, I think it was, and and then true the thing is when I go on holiday, my my partner at the time always took away my mobile phone, so I couldn't use it. So I got myself a notepad and and started writing out a business plan for Property Master Academy, which is a, our training company. And and I came back and said to Jack, he said, right, either we stop doing these one day events because I'm finding them draining and we're not really getting paid for it. Um, or we actually set up a company, focus on certain areas, and actually look at it as, a, as, a, as an additional income stream. Mm. And that's what we did. And that's what we did. So uh, that's been running now for um, six, seven years, I think it is. Um, and again, very successfully, we've mentored quite a lot of um, uh, investors. We, we focus very much on uh, smaller groups of people. We do one to one as well, but we do smaller groups again. We look at like, like 10 people, maybe. Mm. Very, very small. And then um, more latterly, we've we've set up a, um, a crowdfunding platform, which has been in development for the past three years to help help our mentees fund their projects, but also now anybody else, um, so they can fund their refurbishments, mm. new builds, whatever they might be, um, to help them uh, develop their property business. And in the meantime, we've built up quite a large portfolio of properties ourselves, which uh, we're no longer adding to. We're focusing more on developments now than we are, than we uh, than we were previously, but that's kind of kind of been a snapshot, really, from <laughs> where I started out up to up to current day. So, mm. would you say it was a more like a natural progression? Um, what the, the property into the crowdfunding or the various businesses? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was um, I, I was approached. I mean, it's not just our company; it's a, it's an international company, and and I was approached by a guy I'd only known him probably. Couple of years, I've been introduced to him by a friend of mine, uh, and he wanted me to head up the company, um, primarily because one, I'm the oldest one in the company, um, but also I've got the one with the most most property experience as well, mm. uh, and um, it, it's it seemed like a natural thing. And and, and now when I talk to our the people we're te- teaching, and also on generally online, I say, well, you know, we can help you with your funding now because we couldn't do that yeah. before. So, and, and because we're investors that run the company we know what you guys are trying to achieve we, we know we understand the projects we understand the strategy whatever it is you're trying to do so we'll help you as much as we can and, and we you know so far we're doing quite well uh, we find a, a number of projects uh, very successfully great so what is your area of expertise in both of the companies um well it's as far as the crowdfunding platform is concerned um I'm really responsible for any, any UK project and also some of the international expansion as well. So there's two of us doing the international expansion. So currently we're operational in, uh, well, Netherlands is where the head office is. So Netherlands, UK, Germany, uh, Sweden, uh, New Zealand, and Canada are the main countries we uh, have license operations in. But we can actually fund projects in other, country, other countries outside that as long as the person borrowing is in one of those countries. So someone in the UK, so for example, we've got someone in the UK at the moment which we're looking at a deal they want us to fund in Mexico, mm. which is fine because they're a UK company. So that, that's the main point for us. As long as we can get the reliable um, reports in, in Mexico and there's a secure system for making the charge on the property, then we will lend the money. Oh, that's great. So yeah, that is how the crowdfunding side. In terms of the uh, training company, um, I'm usually 
the face of the company in, in the sense that people tend to see me more than Jackie. Um, and she does more of the coaching and mentoring than I do. I'm more of the customer facing, getting people on board. And I, I, I do do this, some of the mentoring and coaching, um, but I'm not a fluffy kind of person. You know, if you if you want a straight answer, you're going to get it from me. Yeah. <laughs> if you want cuddling, Jackie will give it to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so at least both of you fit where, where you should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when um, when did you start your investment journey? Uh, well, it was 2005. The very that first was your first. That was your first, first investment. Yeah. Okay. okay. And um, what would you advise to someone who is starting right now but have no experience and no money? No experience and no money. Wow. And no okay. money. Um, the most important thing is your network of people that you know. Because if you've got no money, you're going to need it. All right. It doesn't matter what anybody says in property, right? At some point, you're going to need money somewhere on the line. It doesn't have to be yours. Right? There's plenty of people out there with, with money in the bank. You just got to find them. Um, so I, I would network as much as possible and find somebody that um, you can mirror, maybe follow what they're doing and learn from them um you know i think i i would say that you know if you've got no money and, and i hear this quite a lot with people um i always find it quite amazing so they've got no money yet they can afford to spend five grand on a holiday in in the algarve or somewhere so but they've got no money so their priorities are wrong in my mind and i, I try and establish what their priorities are you know well are, are you serious about investing or you just want to have a fun time now what why why can't you just have both invest and have fun time? Um, so the, which the two will come together. So you know, I think when people say they've got no money, I I I struggle to believe them. <laughs> Let's put it that way, because I, yeah. I, I would believe I know that if if I had no money, and in my in one part of my life I did have no money, but I knew how to find it. I knew I could yeah. find money somewhere. It didn't matter what it was. You know, at one point. Um, and this, that's, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on any kind of podcast, actually. When I, when I kind of lost just about everything, right, I was going shopping one week for the, you know, just the food shopping, right? I got to the checkout and I couldn't afford to pay. Mm. I didn't have enough money on me to pay. And uh, I thought, well, I need, we need this. This is like, you know, for my wife and my, uh, my ch child at the time. Mm. Um, and um, so uh, I rang a friend of mine. I said, look, can I borrow some money off you? Um, and I told him where I was. I said, "Look, can you come down to can you come down to Sainsbury's and just help me pay for the the week's shop? Because that's how bad things have got. Seriously, mm. uh, you know, when interest rates were at 17 percent and credit card debt, I, I was just sinking, sinking, sinking. So, I, so I know from personal experience, I know you can find money if you really need to, just as I needed to then. Yeah. Mm. So. What would be the biggest challenge in business that you came across and how did you overcome it? Uh, biggest challenge in business, actually, is, um, is trust, actually. I think learning to trust people. So I, I'm, I'm quite a trusting person. That's probably one of my biggest um, faults, I think, but also a good trait. Um, and, and in business, sometimes that's hurt me, uh, certainly on a couple of occasions where people take advantage of that um and you know they come a cropper somewhere else along the line i've had that also happen to me in property once as well um where we we lost a bit of money from someone that took advantage of uh, a situation mm. so uh, I, I would say 
probably that's the biggest one. And and I I always look for the good in people, um, and I always want to go on the side that in general most people are really good people. There's mm. just the odd few out there that you need to be careful of. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing. Not not your kind of stock answer, I know, but you know. Mm. Um, so we established that you have quite large portfolio. Um, do you do any other investment strategies uh, that generate income? Uh, yeah, so I, I diversified a few years back. Um, so the majority of my stuff is still in property, uh, but that's that is changing because we, you know, we, we're getting on a little bit. We're gradually reducing our rental portfolio. As I said, more focusing more on developments. But, but yeah, I, I have um, stocks and shares. I have crypto, um, and so mixed mixture of those things. And I I, I I always look at opportunities to to uh, to potentially invest. Um, and and you know, whether that's property or business, I've looked at various businesses to invest in as well. Um, which I did. I invested in a classic car business. Uh, I um, essentially fund that business and and the guy that runs it. He's he does the uh, refurbishment of the cars to bring them up to scratch, and then we sell and split the profit. So, yeah, I, I do kind of look at other things, but my, my main focus is, is I would say, yeah, 90% of my time is property, really. Property related, whether it's training, whether it's crowdfunding, whether it's our own developments and so on. Any, any advice for beginner investors? Yeah, don't rush in. Um, you might think, oh, there's this fantastic deal that's on the market, I must get it. No, is the answer. You don't have to. There'll be another fantastic deal next week and another one the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. Um, so don't don't rush in. Um, and I guess you'd probably expect me to say this, like, get educated. But I mean it sincerely. Whether you pay to get educated or if you can find some books or work with somebody, but learn about it. You know, when, when I started investing in property, so 16 years ago, would put me at what 45 sounds about right um and i was quite experienced in business but i had no experience in property apart from buying my own property and when i went on that very first training course it just opened my eyes i thought wow i, I just never realized there were so many different ways of making money in property you know like most people it's well i buy a property i Hope do it up and hopefully make a profit on it. I mean, and I stress the word hopefully, <laughs> um, or you rent it out. You know, this this um, below market value stuff. Or you know, I, to me, buy, buying below market value was getting five or ten grand off the purchase price. Yet my very first deal, I got forty percent below market value, below risk valuation. So I thought, okay, it works. <laughs> don't ask, you don't get. Uh, and you know things like the options strategies, and, and which I love lease options uh, and, and rent to rent, all those kind of strategies. Think, well, I could, I'd never thought of those. And mm. then our very first year uh, when we started, because we sold the company, we we, we actually became full time property investors. Virtually, you know, at that point, um, we supplemented our building our portfolio with sourcing. So again, I think it's something I'd never heard of, and I thought that's fantastic. I, I can we can find the deals, definitely sell them. Um, and in our first year, probably made eighty to hundred grand just sourcing. Mm. So you know, it, it's uh, yeah. Hopefully, what well, what would you do differently if you start again? Yeah, I was asked that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, I think if I say 
I'm not a great lover of tenants, okay? And I've not seen one of our tenants for over probably seven or eight years, mm. okay? I've, we've got systems in place that people manage those kind of stuff. So if I was to start again, I would look at probably different strategies because rental is not for me as much. I, I like the income it produces, don't get me wrong, but the tenant aspect of it, I don't like. Mm. So if I was to start again, I would probably uh, look at development and commercial. Now, commercial obviously has tenants as well, but they're totally different to residential tenants. Mm. Totally different. The, the way they work, the, the, whole, the whole system of commercial property is totally different to residential. So those would be the two areas I'd look at. And in order to do them, so to development is difficult for a, a newbie to, to start with. But if you're working with somebody that knows what they're doing, it's not. It goes back to that, you know, of, you know finding someone that knows what you want to do and, and following them. And that's why, you know, we, I mean, we, we've just launched a development mentorship just for that very reason to show new people, look, you can do this. With our help, you can do it. Great. Thank you. And um, what would be the best way to make money if you're not business-minded? Because there's quite a lot of listeners uh, that listen to this podcast, but they might think, look, I'm not business-minded. What, what would the advice be here? Well, I think within each and every one of you, there is a business mind. It's just not been uncovered yet. And um, yeah, we've mentored a lot of people that were in jobs and are now entrepreneurs. They have their own property business. They've left their job or, or perhaps got rid of their other business, whatever. But if you're in a job already, they've left their job and now entrepreneurs. So I think it's being in the right environment and you will become an entrepreneur. Mm. And you do know. It doesn't take long to, to discover that. But you know, once you're in that right environment, you're mixing with other entrepreneurs, other business people, you will soon know. And it's all it all it is, okay, is in my mind, it's two things. One is lack of knowledge, two is lack of confidence. Both of those can be sorted out. Mm. Great. And um what would you advise people to avoid in investment strategies? Avoid. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you came across some nasty people in there during business, or, or you know, some some a crap investor investment that you went in and you regretted yeah. it. I think um, if a deal sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Mm. Um, watch out for those people that are always looking for. Um, always looking for money but don't have much to contribute. I, yeah. I get approached all the time by people that, that say so they've got this deal. I say, great, okay. And what do you want? I said, well, I need I need someone to need someone to fund it and and need someone to help me do it. Okay, so what do you do? Nothing. Right. So you want me to fund it, you want me to do it, and we want you want to share of the profit as well. Wow, that, that's a fantastic deal if you can get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so be wary of those people. Because they're just chances, and 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 you know you can be drawn in. I'm always wary also of people um, advertising for loans uh, on Facebook and, and LinkedIn and social media because that, that to me is not the right place. If you want to borrow money from somebody, it's not the right place to do it um, because you just don't know them. You got to build relationships with people. So I, yeah, I, I would say just yeah, if, if the deal sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And it should probably avoid. is. Okay. Um, you mentioned you've got crowdfunding company. Could you explain to us how that works? So, because there'll be a lot of listeners that have no idea what is crowdfunding. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> so, 
the crowdfunding um, principle is basically, so you as an investor, developer, whatever you want to call yourself, you have a project. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could just be, right, you're buying a house and you're refurbishing it, and then you're going to refinance it onto a mortgage. Okay, it could be as simple as that, or it could be building a new house. It doesn't matter. So you come to us with a project. The crowdfunding platform has the investors. So we, we attract the investors into the platform, and we've got several um, thousand investors on our platform, and you bring your project, and we essentially match the two together. So we say, right, here's this project. That investor is prepared to pay, let's say, 8% or 10%, whatever it might be, and the investors will invest for that return. And that's very simple. So it's very similar to bridging, but we're not a bank. Mm. Okay. So we're different in that respect. And we're more flexible because we're investors also, because we're so, again, we're not a bank. We look at it with, um, I'd say, slightly better eyes. I mean, banks are, as you know, very conservative. We're kind of a mixture between the two. We're kind of optimistic because we understand the deal, but also cautious because we're actually lending investors money. Great. And if someone wanted to invest with your company, uh, is that still possible? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can invest at any time. I mean, the, the, the crowdfunding platform is available to, for people to invest at any time. So, and, and it starts literally from, a, um, I think we've actually brought, it was a £1,000, but I think it's now down to £100. So I think literally from £100, oh, okay. you, you invest in a project. So, you know. So what's the name of the company? Uh, it's Max Crowdfund com there you go people uh if you want to invest with uh, mark's company you can follow him there now we're going to change a bit and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you and your lifestyle um you have very successful companies what is your lifestyle now do you have any luxury cars do you do uh, you know spend money on watches and stuff like that or are you a bit more conservative uh i've never worn a watch mm. And, and that goes back to a, um, a seminar I went to. Blimey, I'm trying to think now. It was got to be in the 80s, early 90s. And I went along to this guy, uh, and he was, um, yeah, he was a brother of a ra- an F1 racing driver. Um, and he was a very good motivational speaker. But he said about becoming a slave to time, mm. and which we are. Most people are. We're a slave to time throughout our lives. And he said, do you need to have that constant reminder on your wrist that you're a slave to time? Because if it's on your wrist, it's pre-mobile phones, by the way. (laughs) So there was nowhere else to look. All right. So if you have it on your wrist, it was a great conversation starter. So you'd, you'd, um, if I wanted to start a conversation with somebody, excuse me, you got the time. (laughs) And then get talking to them. So it was a good, it was a good, it was a good opener. So, you know, the, the, um, that's that side of things I think was was uh, was great. But sorry, can you repeat the question again? Because I've kind of slipped my mind. Sorry. About your lifestyle, you know, do you invest in, uh, in watches uh, and cars? I, I, or... Cars, yeah, I've, I've had some good cars. I've, I've got. I'm kind of a, a bit of a maverick with cars. So, mm. for example, um, I'm not in the Porsche crowd. I don't like them. Uh, I'm not the Ferrari crowd. Don't like them. I've, I've driven them, and they're, in my opinion, not very good cars. Uh, Maserati, on the other hand, yeah. Uh, I currently have a Mercedes uh, SL400 AMG Sport, uh, which I love. I've had that for a couple of years. Uh, they might have only got one car. I've had two or three in the past sitting on the driveway. Um, but, yeah, I, I, 
I tend to hang on to a car probably for two or three years and then get another one. I've, I've, I've got past the phase of having two or three cars at the same time because I used to, you know, with kids, I used to have like a big um, Audi A8 um, SL. So it's kind of, um, it was the limousine version. I mean, you sat in the back of the car. It was just, you had to, you could stick your feet out quite well, even a big person, and you could almost play games in the back of the car. It was so, so much space. Mm. Um, I had that with the kids, uh, but once they grew up, didn't, didn't need it because it was their own cars now. So and I, I don't really have anything, uh, holidays, I guess, I suppose. Mm. I think well, we are desperate for holiday now. <laughs> well, we, we've had five holidays this year already. Oh, wow. That's good. We've already got two more lined up, possibly another one. So, so yeah, I mean, and it's just those little things, really. So we went away to New Zealand for a month uh, just before lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner is Kiwi. Um, so just things like that, which we can do. I'm not worried about booking time in the diary. I just say, okay, let's do it. Let's agree a date yeah. and book, you know. Yeah, that's the that's that's the great thing about business. You have the freedom, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and I fine wine and good food. So nice restaurants. Yeah, definitely. Great. Do you have a routine? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, so I don't have an alarm at all. I wake up when I wake up. Mm-hmm. Generally, that's about six o'clock in the morning. Um, I always, you know, I'm up. Make a, uh, a cuppa. Um, I will then usually review emails, see if there's because a lot of the people, some of the training company I deal with, and actually in some in some respects on the crowdfunding side of things, they're often uh, at work during the day, so I can't communicate with them. So I need to get stuff dealt with uh, before them. So that's that's like you know half an hour, forty five minutes. Um, I go to the gym three times a week, so then then go to the gym. Um, I then spend a bit of time on um, Clubhouse, probably get showered and dressed about 10 o'clock in the morning, probably. Um, um, but I do stuff during the day mm. as well. So I, 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 I'm not one of those kind of people that likes to sit around doing nothing. I, I just get bored too easily, so I've got to be doing something. So I'm either, you know, if it's for the training company, I'm doing a video, a YouTube video, for example, I'll be doing a YouTube video. If it's the crowdfunding side of things, I'll be looking for people that essentially need funding talking to them see see if we can help them get those kind of things agreed organizing valuers for projects of our own it's chasing architects find out where we're at um those kind of things so yeah enough to keep me busy but there's always more things i know i can do um it's just uh i wouldn't say it's 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 the motivation of some things i don't just some things i just don't like doing so but that's why it's handy having a business partner that, that likes those kind of things Okay. Did you have to work on your mindset? Or do you believe in mindset? Yeah, yeah, continually. Um, something I've always believed in. Mm. Um, Strangely enough, I, I mean, my, the mindset kind of things and all that, getting understanding the mind and so on, when I first started work, didn't really exist as it does today. You know, I, um, I went to the very first Tony Robbins event that came to the UK. and. I thought it was amazing, mm. absolutely amazing. Um, and at the time, he did the f- firewalk experience the following week, which I couldn't make. And I thought, I always want to do that. So when he came back to the UK, or probably 10 years ago now when, when I did it, I, and I, I went along to his whole event, but I was only there for the firewalk. And as soon as the firewalk was done, I left 
because I'd then done everything from his yeah. event. I, you know, some of the stuff I remembered again. And it's, it's always good motivation and, and, and to get the mindset. But I did the firewalk. I thought, wow, that just blew my mind. Just, mm. thought, just incredible. If you can walk across hot coals, and I genuinely did not feel a thing. Wow, that was just amazing. An adrenaline rush. But I've done, yeah, other things like that. Um, mindset. I, I've abseiled down Broadgate Tower in the city. That was a little bit scary. I've <laughs> <laughs> um, sailed down Battersea Power Station as well. Um, so I'm always up for a challenge. I won't do skydiving. I don't see the point of part- jumping out of a perfectly safe plane, relatively speaking, with nothing initially <laughs> and then a parachute. No. Fast that's my, my favourite event. Oh, No. <laughs> Fast cars, yes. I, I did a, a track day um, literally about three, two, two, three weeks ago. Mm. Fantastic. I, I love those. You know, good day around the track, hammer the floor, learn a bit about driving. There's obviously a fair amount of driving skill involved in track days as well. So I, I love those. That was a great experience, actually. I love those kind of things. Mm. So we've, we established that you believe in training and ed- education. You have your own property academy company. What is it called if people wanted to reach you out as well? Uh, so the training company is called Property Master Academy, and it's .co.uk. Okay, great. So you would advise people to get training in education if they wanted to go into property business? Yeah, I, I would. I, I think you, you need to learn. You know, yeah. It's like anything at the end of the day. It's like mm-hmm. if a carpenter wants to become a carpenter, he, he needs to go. He probably needs to go to college. So he'll go to college at night and he'll do some apprenticeship during the day. So he's learning along the way before he gets paid the full whack. And this, this is no different, right? If you learn, put a small amount of money, it's not going to cost you that much necessarily for training. A small amount of money, learn about the stuff, find out if you need additional guidance, i.e. mentoring, and then work with someone that can mentor you to, to help you start and build your portfolio or development or whatever it is you want to do. Any books that inspired you? Yeah. Uh, there's one book. I don't know I've got it here, actually. I think I have. Hang on. Yep. Oh, there it is. Can you see that one? Yep. Ogmandino, the greatest salesman in the world. And it is, you can see it's quite worn because <laughs> I've read it so many times. Very thin book. It's about the same thickness as The Richest Man in Babylon, if you've read that one. Mm-hmm. George Clayson. So this one's falling apart now. Um, when I read this, and, and I, I, again, this was at a, um, a seminar um, in, in the 80s, early 90s, that I went to. And it was a guy... Um, Mentioned it. And I thought, oh, I'll get that. I couldn't put it down. It, it's, it doesn't take long to read at all. Mm. Got a number of different, um, um, what are they called? Almost like affirmations. Mm. Uh, I call them mantras, but there's like different scrolls within the book. And the one that um, stuck out with me, and this is one of, one of many, because uh, I think there's 12 scrolls from recollection. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just read it very quickly. So, it says, I will persist until I succeed. I was not delivered into this world in defeat, nor does failure course in my veins. I'm not a sheep waiting to be prodded by my shepherd. I'm a lion, and I refuse to talk, to walk, to sleep with the sheep. The slaughterhouse of failure is not my destiny. I will persist until I succeed. Yeah. And you've read that a few times. It kind of sinks in. And there's, an, there's quite a few like that, very similar to that, and quite thought-provoking. And I thought, wow, that's... And that's why I've still got it. I still read it. I pick it up every now and then, and I'll read it again. Mm. It reminds me. So that's great. 
the best book. Definitely a great book. I'm going to order it straight away. I never heard of this book before, so thank you for that. Um, tell us something that no one knows about you. Oh, wow. No one knows about me. Uh, that's pretty, well, pretty boring. I think nobody, nobody currently knows. So I was chess champion at school. I, I've always had a, um, a head for figures um, mm. and chess was kind of a, a game that was around strategy. I was quite good at that. Um, so, but it doesn't reflect in my kind of personality, really. I'm not your kind of typical chess player mm. um, or numbers person. You know, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm driving for the deal, always driving for the deal. So wise, it's kind of contrary to what my personality is. But also, uh, the only other thing I suppose is um, I got, um, yeah, I passed A level in four languages uh, when I was at school. Can I speak any of them now? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say no. I, I, I can probably speak more Spanish than I can the other ones. Right. Um, but that's more, I need to be in Spain a week before I can do that because I need to get up to speed. Yeah. Um, again and and so but otherwise yeah it was um yes yes Spanish, okay. French, German, Latin. Do you do you, <coughs> do you believe in the partnership and joint venture? Do I believe in them? Yeah. Uh yeah well obviously I mean you know, Jackie's been my business partner for 28 years. Mm. Uh, um joint ventures we've done a number of joint ventures. Uh, have they all gone smoothly? No. Mm. <laughs> and it's one of the things you've got to be really careful at joint ventures. Um, I, I think they're great, and there's a fantastic way of expanding your portfolio as long as they're with the right people or, or, yes. or doing development, whichever it may be. So we've had probably two, yeah, two joint ventures that didn't go the way we wanted, mm. and the main reason for that was because we became what I call a motivated buyer. So we had this deal, and we had a JV lined up. And in both instances, exactly the same thing happened. The deal took a long time to go through. The JV that we'd had originally gave up, went and invested their money somewhere else. So we were then hunting for a JV. Mm. And we kind of took the first person that came forward with the money because we'd already spent money. We got, we'd spent like four months or five months trying to get this deal over the line. Yeah. And you know, when you put that kind of time into a deal, you don't want to give up, do you? Yeah. That was a mistake. So in the future, if, that, if any of you listeners do that, give up, right? Do not become a motivated buyer and just take the first joint venture, unless it's your mum and dad. <laughs> don't, don't do it. So we did it. The, the deals didn't work out very well. In the end, they turned out to be not the kind of people we would have wanted to work with. Hmm. What about system automation and outsourcing? Do you, are you a strong believer of that or, or not, not really? Outsource everything. Outsource uh, everything. Absolutely. Uh, well, Jackie does some bits, but um, so in terms of our portfolio, we have um, we're a lettings manager that we employ directly, so we pay them a salary yep. because of the numbers we've got. And um, Jackie speaks to him once a week for half an hour on a Friday. I don't speak to him at all. Um, yeah, everything else, like bookkeeping stuff's outsourced. We've got a virtual assistant. She does a load of stuff. Um, we don't have any staff outside that, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, Everything else, the deal, the deal stuff, I do myself. I mean, I've been finding deals, negotiating. Yeah, you can't outsource that. You've got to do that yourself. 
same as the crowdfunding finding the people but once they're on board it's that's all dealt with somewhere else yeah uh, yeah i, I, I you know i i tr- try to only focus on things i'm good at um i don't want to do anything else any, any top tips on success just keep at it um don't give up yeah, don't give up I, i think biggest lesson i've learned in life is you, most people give up too soon mm. just they're about to cross the line and You know, I'm not saying it's always going to be smooth running because it's not. You know, being a business is not smooth at all. And I've had you know many um, ups, ups and a few downs, but the ups outweigh the downs. And and if you keep at it, you 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 one way or the other, you will succeed. You know, if you you follow the right people or you work with the right people, yeah, you know, a deal might go wrong, but you learn from that and you make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's how you grow. Um, do you do any wealth preservation? now or you just purely invest what i'm talking about uh, do you invest in um, precious metals for example i know you put quite a lot of money into properties but how about the other assets uh precious metals no no i don't um my my risk profile is such that property is a bit of an anomaly for me right doesn't fit my risk profile so I, i have quite a large portfolio of cryptocurrency um and uh, also we do some binary option trading on uh, stocks stocks in the US mm-hmm. well um so those in the risk profile are much higher than, than property property is a stable generally stable kind of environment um so yeah i mean silver gold not sexy enough for me really okay <laughs> would you uh, what what legacy would you like to leave or do you want to leave a legacy um Oh wow, tough question. I think well first of all my kids know that they don't get any money from me unless they've done something themselves. Um but in terms of a legacy generally speaking, I think as long as I've touched enough lives to make a difference. Mm. Um that to me would be fantastic. What are your goals and aspirations in the next 5-10 years? Yeah, I get asked that a lot as well. Um because a lot of people expect me to retire and retirement is not on the horizon at all. Mm-hmm. Um I've retired once when we sold the telecommunications company. And um I thought that was so boring. <laughs> that was so boring. Um and I I think when I stop enjoying what I'm doing and if I start to get bored, you know, I, that's the trouble. I always want to do something because I don't like to be bored. So property is exciting, training is exciting, crowdfunding is exciting. Yeah, you know, once we IPO the crowdfunding platform which will be in 2025, mm-hmm. I will certainly take a bit more of a step back. Um that's a lot more work in going into that. And then what I'll probably do is be a little bit more choosy with the kind of things I do. Uh I'll cut back on the time I spend because you know, I am still very much a bit of a workaholic. I I kind mm-hmm. of like what I do. So to me it's not not necessarily working but it's i do spend a lot of time at the activities i do i don't leisure time for me is i i'm i'm you know, to, to be honest with you i'm happy to go out to a decent restaurant decent food decent bottle of wine that's fine go on holiday that's fine have a track day whether it's in my car or mm. someone else i don't care um yeah holidays 
probably feature more on Horizon because, as I say, my partner is Kiwi, so we want to go back to New Zealand. We've been obviously held back for the past 18 months, and we're not going to be able to get there for at least another year now, by the sound of things. Um, so I'd like to certainly travel a little bit more than I have done. But the thing is, with modern technology, it doesn't really matter where you are, does it? Yeah. Even when I was in New Zealand, 2019, was it? I've lost track of time now. 2019, mm. even though they're kind of 12 hours um, ahead, I was still responding to emails and, and stuff and, and messaging people whilst, whilst I first thing in the morning. And then that's it, off to the day, off we went. And, you know. Great. We'll do quick fire round now. Okay. Um, wow. Just uh, I've, I've got nothing written. I'm just going to come up with some okay. random questions uh, just so people get to know you a bit more. So uh, why, uh, red wine or white? Red. French or Italian? French. BMW or Mercedes? Mercedes. Um, Favourite holiday? Uh, New Zealand, without a shadow of a doubt. Great. You've been a star today, Mark. Thank you very much. And mm-hmm. if you can just mention the names of your companies and how can people reach out to you if they wanted to invest with you or educate themselves with with, with you as well. Um, that's the time now to mention it. Okay, thanks. So the training company is called propertymasteracademy.co.uk and the crowdfunding platform is maxcrowdfund.com. Great. And if anyone is interested in um, and still have problems uh, reaching out to Mark, you can always reach to us and we'll, we'll help uh, with the link. Thank you, Mark. And it was lovely to see you. Thank you again. The interview has interview been great. You're welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed the podcast, remember to like and subscribe on your platform of choice. 